Guys, welcome back to the Relaxed Running Podcast. Tyson Popplestone here on your Friday afternoon. What a Friday afternoon it is. If you are in the state of Victoria in Australia right now, the sun's shining. I've just come back uh, from my second visit at the beach. I can't help myself today. It's just, you, you look out the office window and you go, I'm, I'm making wrong life choices being in here. So I, I just keep getting sucker punched by the water. So that's where I've just come back from. I'm still just sitting here in my boardies. Not that anyone asked for a visual, but there you go. It's just, uh, I've just painted one. I could continue and make myself sound more attractive than I really am, but you don't need to because you can just look at my Instagram to see the truth. Uh, I mean, it's a 7 out of 10, isn't it? Let's be real. <laughs> anyway, today on the show, uh, Matthias Carlson is, uh, is joining us for the very first time. Now, Matthias joined the Relax Running coaching option about six months ago, and him and I have been working together since then. So a little bit of background, he was formerly a tennis player, had some pretty big success in the tennis world, gradually made a transition across to the world of distance running. And uh, man, some of his stories are pretty insane. I, I really enjoyed talking to him. More than that, though, we wanted to talk about the way we structure his training, some of the goals that he has for his future, just the way that we've been working together. Really good opportunity just to sound out a lot of life situations so we can take steps towards actually planning his training. So at the moment, we're uh, trying to take quite a flexible approach to Matthias's training based on the fact that just so many elements of his life are, are not just consistent and black and white. He's not working a nine to five. He's just welcomed a second kid. Had a couple of little health hiccups along the way that he's been trying to navigate and he's been doing it beautifully. So it's been really good to work with a guy like Matthias who's a he seems like a really relaxed customer, uh, but then to hear about the planning and the diligence that he has in actually making sure he gets the work done. So I've said a couple of times now, if you are interested, uh, 2022 is a year that I'm welcoming up to 20 athletes for some one-on-one -on -one coaching. Um, so if you're brand new to the sport or you've been at it for a while, you need some guidance, uh, you're between coaches, you don't have a coach, jump over to relaxrunning.com, click the coaching tab, and uh, if you're interested in working together, let me know. Obviously, happy to be flexible. So if you're a little bit younger or struggling for cash at the moment, we can have a chat about how we can make it work, all right? So if you're looking for guidance and uh, and you think you could do with a little bit of help, jump over to relaxedrunning.com. But that's enough from me. I'm uh, gonna introduce to you Matthias Carlson. Man, what a hectic, uh, what a hectic couple of weeks, but Dude, I can't believe the um the day I spoke to you, your, your little one was born. Yeah, I know that was that was pretty exciting, wasn't it? He um you called me in the morning and I said, oh, you should probably be here anytime at all. And uh, yeah, she went in. She had, she had been in pre labor for about a week, and uh, it finally started for real. And uh, we went in, and he came out really quickly, actually. For and he's a bit he's a big guy, huh? Oh, a big unit. Yeah, he's, <laughs> um, he he came up he came out at five point five six kilos or twelve point that's so insane. Kilos. Yeah, yeah. I can appreciate my uh my little man was three point one when he came out. So I and I thought yeah. he looked decent. I thought he looked decent. Yeah well we we had brought all these we bought bought quadruple zero clothes because that's newborn sizing yeah. and he's currently in double zero like he couldn't fit any of the stuff we brought us so Luckily, the hospital sort of took mercy on us, so we got <laughs> we got some like just lenders' clothes. Yeah, man, um, that was that was brutal. Yeah, <laughs> was it a was it a natural birth, man, or did your wife have a C section? 
No, no, she's an absolute trooper. Just no drugs, wow. nothing. Just wow. Kind of yeah, yeah, no, she did real well. Um, Is she Aussie? I don't know. Yeah, she's Aussie, yeah. That's a great effort, yeah. man. So everyone listening to this, the accent is Swedish. Uh, very, few <laughs> pick you know, very, very few pick it because I'm the worst Swede on the planet. I brown hair, brown eyes, a uh, little bit of red in the beard, but like nothing about me says Swedish. <laughs> Apart from, I know, I, I guess it doesn't say Swedish as much as it says that part of the world. But every time I look at you, I, uh, I get a real Viking vibe. So I know it's <laughs> that part of the world, not necessarily Swedish though, but at least you're uh, you're bringing something real European to the table. <laughs> I know, right? I, I actually, for Christmas, I got a couple of beads that I can put in as well with uh, with uh, the Elder Futok runes on it. So uh, look, that looks very Viking if I get that in, but I haven't figured it out yet. <laughs> oh my gosh, man. Well, dude, just, um, well, just before I uh, officially started this podcast, you were saying that it's been a it's been an interesting few weeks to say the least for you. And today there was a, there's a couple of things I was kind of hoping to do because obviously um you and I have been working closely, uh, or we've been working together over the last it must be three or four months now, and it's been a fairly loose kind of communication where yeah, um, you know we'll, we'll, yeah we'll we'll plan the uh, the training schedule for you to a degree and then we'll go back and forth sort of uh, once or once or twice a week. Uh, but what I was really keen to to do, man, obviously like these are these conversations are so much better than an email. And, and, and one thing that I know a lot of the audience enjoys is, is just hearing the different stories from different athletes at all levels. And I think your, your story into the world of distant training is interesting in, in terms of how you found your way into it and why you do it, but also from your tennis background. So I was thinking just maybe to, to give people a bit of an overview of who you are and, um, you know, how we sort of found each other. Maybe, maybe I could handball to you. And then um, we'll have a little bit of a chat about your training and, and how you're progressing amongst everything else that's been going on and, and, and come up with a little bit more of a, uh, a you know, a, a structured plan or a, an outline for the, for the next couple of months. Yeah, no, that, that sounds good to me. All right. So uh, just start off. I'm originally, as I said, from, from Sweden. Uh, I played all sports growing up, just anything that has a ball or a stick or whatever, you name it, I've, I've pretty much done it. Um, but I wasn't great at team sport, so I ended up playing tennis. I uh, had a quite nice tennis hall in my home village of 300-odd people and um, just kept, kept at it. I uh, got pretty good. Um, I'd say in comparison to running, uh, I've done mostly marathons, so I'd say on tennis skill level, I'd be about a 217, 218 marathon runner, so, you know, pretty 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 big fish on the on the local and sort of communal level but get absolutely slapped when I go went up international level as a lot of our Aussies find out as well it's <laughs> it is a very deep pond and the difference between tennis and running is that if I play it if if I were to run a 12 12 marathon um, or play on a skill level that corresponds to that I still have to win another match. Yeah, it's not like I can have a brilliant performance, and that's it. Like that's who I am. That's my PB. That's how I qualify. It's always there's a next tournament. There's a next game. So it's a very hard sport to progress in, especially if you're from a smaller town and don't have that sort of rich parents that a lot of the tennis players are, are blessed with. It's it's a very expensive sport and and my parents did the best and uh but 
in, in the end, I couldn't travel as much internationally as was needed. And as well as that, I definitely was lacking on the skills and, and just knowledge and uh, guidance. Because again, from a small rural society, you're not probably getting the assistance that you quite need. Mm. Um, but I kept at it. I kept at it. I, I played all the way up till I was 27. Um, and I moved to Australia for the second time in 2013. Uh, and I was just over it. Um, my wrist has had probably four or five stresses over the over the course of the year. Uh, I have no like no ligament left in that wrist, and uh, I had a couple of bones that weren't where they should be. Um, so that made it quite hard to have to change from a two-hander to one-hander, and uh, it was just just wasn't fun. I just kept getting. Uh, because when you get to that level as well, in order to qualify, you have to go through qualifying rounds and all of that. And uh, I had to play maybe five or six matches to get a chance at getting into a adv- better position. And when you get five, six games deep in a, in a draw, you're bloody tired. And you go in against a guy that comes in fresh and just, yeah, you swipes the court with you more or less. And uh, But so I just got sick of it. And uh, I looked for an outlet where I could use my athleticism that I built up. And um, I actually went into obstacle course racing. I, th- I saw a Spartan race, uh, Tough Mudder, that sort of thing. And I was like, let's give that a crack. And uh, at the time, there was a big bus when I came to Australia about a Victorian league of it. And uh, I thought that'd be fun. You know, just get a communal thing going. There wasn't too many elites there. And I think I, I really thought I'd be sub elite for sure. But somehow I ended up the first year winning that actual league. Uh, wow. Yeah, yeah. So it was, I just had that weird mix of being reasonably agile as well with having some strength because some of the obstacles were just carrying up 55 kilogram dead ball for like 30 or 40 meters or so. And, uh, and I, I could do that with some trouble, but as well as, running decently at that time i knew nothing about running i just joined up with this this crew that basically was military style boot camps and uh the guy running it his sole purpose was to find athletes and break them and mold them into something that could compete on the international sort of endurance scene and uh i I remember i started off and he's like oh you show up here on friday at 6 30 uh, we're going to have a long training session. And you just bring these things. And I said, yeah, no worries, right? So I rock up and I find out that I'm doing a 12-hour exercise session <laughs> on the throughout, throughout the night. And um, Oh, so this is 6.30 p.m., huh? 6.30 p.m., yeah, 6.30 p.m. And we're going all the way to 6.30 a.m. on the Saturday and finish it off with a boot camp. Like, <laughs> all right, let's do this. And I get given two sandbags. Uh, they were 50 pounds each. What's that? 20, 22 and a half kilos. Yeah, I'm not sure with pound. I think it's like 2.2. Is it 2.2 pounds as in a kilo? I always get muddled up yeah. with these old school Some, measurements. Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. So wow. it was, it's, it's about 22 kilos. Let's just say that. Right. And so I get given one of those. I get given a sledgehammer and a backpack more or less. And the first thing I do is a basically to see where you're at fitness wise. So it was a challenge. Um, you get one point per rep and you wanted to do as many push-ups as you can, as many sit-ups and, and then was burpees 
everything in two minutes to see how many you can do. And the target was 100 push-ups, 100 sit-ups, uh, 30 burpees in two minutes, and 20 strict uh, chin-ups in a row, and then a mile run. And I'll never, I won't forget it because it was on like this dirt road in the middle of nowhere, right? And I, I did, I, I ran up 442 mile. Wow. Off, off, yeah, after the burpees and all of that. Um, so that, that was sort of the first time I actually ever ran full time. And I was pretty, pretty, pretty happy with that. And um, I got through the night. I mean, most of it was just carrying those bloody sandbags, one in my mm. arms, one in my rucksack with the sledgy and a, and a, like regular car tire on it as well. Uh, got through that. And uh, a couple of weeks later, there was this thing that I signed up for. Just, fun, just a tryout for World's Toughest Smartest Team Australia. Um, and it was two hours of just being brutalized with a workout. And uh, it, was a, it was just one run and then climb some obstacles and then step up. The first thing we did was step up with a 25 kilogram bag on a box and you needed to do 25 on each leg to advance to the next round sort of thing. And they just went on for two hours and I was wrecked. Somehow, somehow I was picked amongst, I got picked amongst 32 athletes in Australia to actually go up and have a final tryout. And that was a 25 hour challenge where it was just eight hours of basically eight hours of crossfit we started off with a five hour run uh on trails and hills and see how far we could get and i think i i think i've got out i got 10 laps they said it was 5k so that would be 50k and then eight hours of crossfit and that sort of thing um and just halfway yeah, fin finished finished off with a, another five hour trail run and um i was one out of I think I was one out of, there was 16 that finished out of all athletes that applied. And I was one of them. And uh, I, I, I did it pretty well. Like I, I didn't come out with too many injuries. Like my knee was a bit buggered because I've never ran any distances before. I didn't get picked for the team ultimately. Um, and then I was like, I actually really enjoyed the last five hour run and the first five hour run. So maybe there's something in it with it that because i just i was just running around looking at you know birds and kangaroos and that sort of thing i i just loved it it was something about it that just full body felt right and the guy i was with he was like oh yeah yeah we'll see if you can do it so two three weeks later he tells me oh 20 bucks there's a race on the weekend you want to do it i'm like yeah sure 20 bucks and that was the walhalla wound up 50k and I, I wasn't aware because it's just, oh, you spring water, you'll be all right. <laughs> so I rock up on this, I rock up on the start line wearing a pair of like New Balance road shoes, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and just a three-liter Camelback, and uh, it's a 50k race, and um, that was the first trail race I ever did, like just pure trail race. Um, I was actually, I had tears when I finished because I was so underprepared. Like, oh, man. Just, yeah, how long man. did that three litres of water last? That would have been uh, that would have been nearly well, gone in that first 30K out at Walhalla, wouldn't it? Because it depends, I guess, what time of the year you did it. But I've been out there enough to know that if you, get it, if you get there at the wrong time, it can be very hot, but it's always very hilly. So that's the, uh, that's a pretty yeah, brutal yeah. combination. Oh well, I was I was flying, mate. Absolutely flying. I, I did the first 21k in like an hour 26. 
Wow. Right? But that was all downhill. And then the okay. uphill stopped. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so, yeah, it blew out a little bit. By a little bit, I mean, like, immensely. But I, I got to the goal line in, like, I think I got to the goal line in four hours 50 or something like that. So Man, that is yeah. insane. That's a tough uphill run from uh, from that second half of the run. That's a that's a brilliant yeah. combination. So that's one thing that just through our conversations of, so you've obviously come from a background which is very competitive and you've understood the importance of uh, putting in the work. And, and especially as a tennis player, you guys have a reputation I've learned through our last conversation of just probably going even harder than the average athlete. And I'm a big fan of Novak Djokovic. And I look at his Instagram page and hear some of his interviews from time to time. And just the amount of work that he's putting into not only his physical training, but then the meditation and his health and the the yoga that he does, it, it sort of blows <laughs> my mind, just the um the amount of time and effort that must go into it. But but it's interesting. So, so for anyone looking at you, you've you've obviously jumped across with a, a pretty solid foundation in in physical activity. But what yeah. over the last couple of years, it's really just started to to focus and become refined a little more on the uh, on the running side of things. It's been difficult. Yeah. I think one of the challenges we've had, or, or I've had, sort of working with you, is just um, I've I've found it. It's a little bit difficult to navigate exactly what to work towards right now, just because of the yeah. state of the world. It's been hard to to really put together something solid. Um, with a real finish line in mind, which is something I always like to do both for the athletes I work with and, and for myself because it's a, I, I don't know how you go. I, I get the vibe you're a bit more of a relaxed customer than me, but a lot of the time when uh, when I'm out there just running around for the sake of it, it's like, oh, I wish I had something a little more solid to work towards. So I'm sort of excited about the next six months and, and you know, once things settle down in your house because you've obviously just... Uh, welcomed a new little bub and man yet the, the audience doesn't yeah. realize yet the, the last couple of weeks in your life has just been hectic has um but yeah. i'm sort of excited to to start putting a couple of asterisks next to a few races that you're interested in and uh, and, and getting you targeted towards those because just to hear about the foundation that you have and your ability over the long distances it's um like a fairly exciting prospect i reckon especially yeah. over you know the half marathon marathon if that was something that you're interested in in moving towards because it's a, it's amazing. I don't know if you know Dion Finocchiaro. Finocchiaro. Yeah, like I'm, a, I'm a I'm a Strava and like sort of Instagram stalker of Dion. Like, he, <laughs> like a lot of us. Absolutely amazing. Yeah. <laughs> when yeah, it comes to crushing the 50 to 100k, it's it's just ridiculous how he's how well he's runs over those distances. I get the vibe. He's he's cut from the same cloth as you. He's just he's great at just like all right. Here's the task. Let's go get it done. So. Man, I reckon, um, I, I remember when Dion started running back in about 2012 competitively, he sort of just came down to the 10 and I was in the peak of my, my running fitness and I was just like, oh, it's nice, this guy's coming out for a run. And then without too much thought, he went out and ran 256 for a marathon. I think he, <laughs> took, a, I think he took a wrong turn. Um, so you started to get the vibe that, uh, that he was going to be pretty good. But yeah, I get the same vibe with, uh, with your ability over the longer stuff, depending on how much sort of time and effort we want to put into your your training yeah. program but from a personal perspective um like what are what are some of the uh the goalposts that, that you see for yourself have you got anything that you're really hoping to work towards in the next sort of you know six months 12 months and even beyond that yeah well on, honestly i i always believe that when it comes to the longer distances it's it's all about the time you put in more sort of the speed etc it just comes into like your strength versus sort of neurons and all of that you've managed to build up over the years so 
So speed is something that I've always had and it is from the tennis courts. I've been become real slow over the past couple of years because I haven't been able to put any time in. I mean, I, I came into came out of lockdown now and I got plus two kids and probably minus 3000 case of running per year. <laughs> so plus six kilos. You know, it's it, it, it's the first time in my life where I've actually felt unfit. Like, yeah, because I, I always thought, you know, if I go out running five Ks for like, I, I ran them around 19, 19 and a half minutes. And I was like, if, if I dip over 20, uh, just put me out of the yard and shoot me more or less. Because <laughs> that's, that's an awful time, just awful time. And um, I, I suppose age and kids have humbled me in that sense that at the moment, I'm probably around 20, 20 and a half minute runner. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do find the hardest things for me coming into running has been with tennis. It's always the no pain, no gain, you know, go out, go hard as in some of the training runs I used to do were ridiculous. I'm not sure if I shared some of them with you because I used to do four hour easy run. Right. And, uh, and I, I got 52 K into the four hour training run and I'd be like, geez, I ran poorly today. Like a <laughs> five minute case. What am I doing out there? Just, you know, go home. Like, so it's part of why I came to relax running in the first sense, because coming from a background where there's, no mercy, you know, just work hard and then come in and going here and going, oh, hang on, these world athletes, they, they, they sound pretty relaxed. Like they, they don't kill themselves or race each workout and they seem to be doing all right. Um, so it, it's sort of what drew me to it. And I thought, oh, maybe I can work with Tyson. He'll get me some, get me up to speed and keeping me somewhat fit throughout when I can't do any volume. So when I can start piling on the volume again, I'll, I'll, I'll be ready for it. Yeah. Um, well, that's, that's, I think the, the most exciting thing with you is, is obviously you said you're not super stoked with your current fitness level right now, but also I think uh, it, it's easy. Uh, I'm a little bit the same. It's easy to sort of um, look at yourself and critique yourself the hardest, but you're obviously, yeah, for those of you who aren't aware, you're working as a, as a train driver with just random hours, some weeks, night shift, some weeks, yeah. day shift, you got the two kids, you had some health things come up and um, it's just, I've been uh, like, I think the thing that I've been most impressed with working alongside you is just your ability to be able to adjust and be flexible. And even when you first got on board, you said, mate, look, here's my situation. There's a lot going on. I, I don't have any one structured time that I can get out and do some running. Is this going to work? And I think just that flexibility and, and, and like maybe physically um, it's something that we're still learning, but I feel mentally like you, you seem like a really flexible kind of a guy and I don't know if that's natural or, or developed or a little bit of both but <laughs> yeah your ability just to be able to get the sessions in when you can and you know just to just say if we had a particular session set out for a particular day and you're wrecked because you had a night shift that was uh, a little overextended um your ability yeah. just to go okay well I'm going to adjust this and we'll do an easy run here today I think the cool thing the thing that gets excited uh, or gets me excited with that is is once if and when we can develop a little more consistency and a little more structure as those kids get older the the timetable settles down covid starts to uh, just put its ugly head away for a while it's a, i think it's a really nice place for us to be able to build from and, and i say build from because what you've done great the last six months is just like pretty consistent work whether it's at the pace you wanted it to be or or not so how have you sort of gone about that and how have you is that something that you've had to be flexible with coming from a, a pretty stringent background in the tennis scene well honestly i'm 
super anal about everything. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I sound like by that you may be like, oh, he's a hippie, he'll go out and run whenever. <laughs> but I think I'm like, no, but the thing is that I am a super structured person. Uh, I mean, I'm not sure if I ever told you, but I actually have. I, I moved to Australia to study in the first place and I got a Bachelor of Science in medical forensic and analytical chemistry and I worked as that for about two years mm-hmm. um, so and I am an all-consumer when it comes to sports and training and all of that um, so I do a lot of reading I sort of have figured out what I need but when it comes to training it's just I have a list that I need to tick off during the day I put the I put on it like today I need to just do some sort of exercise mm-hmm. and then if it comes to 11 and i feel like running i run otherwise i do a core workout or some sort of strength and i just try to keep getting 10 15 minutes in per day if i got more time i do that and just try to fit it around that i'm mm-hmm. i'm a big believer in i read some either read or listened um about tendon things as in the worst thing you can get injured is your tendons and when you go out running, your tendons get sort of stimulus only for the first five minutes. So if you can do five minutes, you can load up your tendons and they get the benefit of it because muscles and bones, etc. that's, that's all about time. But when it comes to tendons, just get, get your body in the right position, move five minutes. And that makes you so much better for your next run or whatever. So with me in mind, with the times I work, sometimes around 11 a.m., sometimes around 11 p.m., sometimes around 2 a.m., like, and yeah, you just got to fit it in where you can. I mean, mm. it's all about the consistency. Cardiovascular fitness is all about consistency, and even if you do a little bit, it's better than nothing, and, you know, hopefully, you know, I can just keep adding the small sessions to big build into something big later on. Yeah, beautiful. And how have you navigated the uh, the, the territory of being a uh, because one of the things that I've understood pretty quickly that I that I really like about you is it's family first. It's uh, it's your kids, it's your wife, um, and then it's it's you know whatever else goes around that. But uh, obviously, with a with a man with with that is his, uh, I guess his central focus point. You got to make a lot of sacrifices, and it, it means you're a little bit um, you know less flexible in terms of where you can put your time. So, how have you found that process of learning to go? Okay, because I'm going through this myself, man. Obviously, you know <laughs> Charlie's 18 months old now, and um, yeah. All of a sudden, you know, Saturday morning's not sleeping day, then go for a run. It's wake up, look after Charlie, maybe take him to the beach and entertain him for a while. And all of a sudden, I'm second best. And I've heard from uh, from a few different people that adding a second kid to the uh, to the family can be a difficult transition. So like, how have you navigated that whole space, balancing the family life with the training life and, um, you know, any well, other aspects that sort of come up around that? Well, look, luck, luckily... Um... We're, we're, move, we're going to be moving soon. So hopefully I can add, add some friends to my life, but social life is just non-existent at the moment. Yeah. And it's just something you have to live with. Um, in terms of training, I haven't done much. Like I get the five, 10 minutes in a day. Um, that, that's pretty much it. I mean, as you said, I do put kids first and then wife and then training and myself. And, and, um, uh, it is a lot of sacrifice and it is something that's very hard to learn. I think when you have, when you have one kid, it's, it's easy enough to just go, all right, I'm going out for a run here, hold them. But when you've got two kids, then it one tends to be screaming. You can't just go, Oh, here's another one. And then go out for a run. 
So I've been trying to go out when they're all sleeping. And um, so the hours become quite random because of that. And then there are days where you come to the end of the day, it's like, I could go out running, but my wife might need some extra help, just do some extra chores. And then you just have to take that and just realize that, you know what, my fitness is going to cop a hit for the first two, and a, two three years until they start getting to preschool until they start getting into that because we're not doing really doing daycare either. Um, we're privileged enough that one of us can stay home. We set up our finances and everything, so that works. Because ultimately, my wife and I, would be, we believe in the biggest privilege you can have is to raise your own kids yeah. rather than let um, the state or whatever raise them. And it's not really a hippie thing or anything like that against it. I have nothing against people that do it. I get that. Two, two parents need to be working in most households, but we just like to treat it that way. I was in daycare my entire life and my wife was had a stay-at-home mom mm-hmm. and uh, I think she came out of it a lot more mentally resilient than I've ever been. And when it comes to mental health, having one parent at home is just gold. Yeah, it's a really good point, man. That's awesome. It's a, it's another, it's a, it's funny. These conversations could go for ages because uh, the idea of relaxed running, it's a, 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 you've got to solve a few things before everything comes really relaxed, don't you? Like there's plenty of challenges yeah. and stresses and and things like that. And that's what I, uh, that's what I really like about what it is that you're doing. But man, from from your perspective, I obviously wanted to just give people a little bit of an overview of who you are and what you're doing. And it's just nice to get a little bit of an insight into the life of a, another athlete, someone who's not necessarily racing at the highest level, but he's still committed to, you know, being consistent and developing uh, his, his ability in and amongst everything else that's, that's going on. But um, I sort of touched on it before, but uh, we didn't really get to any particular endpoint. but was there a, was there a particular um, uh, race that you have in mind or a particular goal that you have in mind, or it's pretty much just about being consistent until um, after a point where you can start to, you know, get a little bit more refined and hopefully a little more time to, to put towards the, uh, the world of running. All right. Well, look, honestly, my nearly all of my goal events are, are long events. That's going to pretty much brutalize my body. Like they, they are rough events that I have in mind. Um, like done under 135 has been on my list forever awesome. it is an absolutely beauty i've ran most of the course uh, on my own time but doing it at once is going to be an absolutely amazing experience if i get the chance to try that but in order to get there i have to complete two 100 mile races and you know not die during that so <laughs> it, it it's just one of those things that you just have to i just have to keep shipping away i love I love faster running, which is big contradiction because I always love training for shorter events like 5K, mile, 10K, all the way up to a marathon. Mm. It's just it's just good fun. And then like, but there's something special about just being alone on a trail in the middle of the night and there's no one there to help you but yourself. That's when I did... I did the Alpine challenge. That's 160K. Um, and it's about 30 to 40K between aid stations. And you're all along out on, on the high plains, just you and your heartbeat. And, you know, it really strips away everything. And you can truly find out who you are during mm-hmm. that time. I think one of the most exciting prospects about doing something beyond 100 miles is that 
you sort of don't know who you're going to be at the end of it. You think you know who you are, but you will find out when you, when you're scaling a big ascent in the middle of the night all by yourself, man, you know, the, the kudos on Facebook are not enough to get you up there. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. The kudos on Strava is not enough. It, it, it's, a, it's another world that strips you bare. And it's something that I really loved about it. I've only done one and that was hard enough. I can't say that I liked who I was throughout the race. I got there in the end, but it, it is a life-changing experience. And it's something that I don't think a lot of people have experienced, even marathon runners. Um, and it, it's it's just it's just an interesting world. I, I, one of the greatest ones actually was a Greek running in Australia, Yanis Kouros. Not sure if you've ever heard yeah. of him. Yeah, I have. Yeah, because he he said he. Now I'm paraphrasing. All right, <laughs> but he he said that if you want to know what a human body can achieve, go run go run a marathon. But if you want to talk to God, go run an ultra, yeah. because that's something that truly rings true with me that it's like there's something else that pushes you through it beyond just coping with pain there's something there that is so primal that really interests me so most of my goal events are for longer distances but in terms of working towards mate i'm happy punching out 400s yeah yeah yeah. awesome awesome well dude hey thanks for making the time it's great to um have you on and it's nice to be able to introduce you to the uh to the audience um but man yeah looking forward to, to working more with you and, and just seeing what uh, what happens so thanks again yeah no worries mate uh, thanks thanks for having me on hopefully i haven't made too much of a fool of myself and people can understand me clearly mm-hmm.